Hey everyone, this is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. It is March 29th of 2022 and uh, this is Q&A number 83. So I'd like to welcome a new member, Barbara from Florida. So welcome to Team TLC group. This uh, podcast is made for my virtual coaching group on Facebook and uh, we are 108 members in 20 states, going now for almost two years. Um, August will be two-year anniversary, so a year and a half, a little bit over. Um, let's go ahead and get into what we're going to discuss today for the topic. Also go over some challenges uh, for this week, skill and mindset. And then I'll answer all of the questions after I do the shout out. So um, <clears throat> the topic this week is going to be first step to success is believing in yourself. And I'm going to talk about some mental motivational stuff, some positive mindset, because if you go to my podcast, very first two podcasts I do, one is on mental game, mental toughness, and the other is on alleyway issues. Why are those two my first two that I did? And I'll tell you why. An alley, uh, an, your alleyway approach can make or break your run. You know, if your nerves are too high, if you're too low, you know, it's so important to have a really solid mindset and game plan from alleyway to the first barrel, the money barrel. So um, that is two podcasts you may want to listen to. They're the very first ones I've ever I ever did. And um, this week, the uh, mindset mindset challenge in the group is because it's a excuse me because it's April first on Friday. We are going to uh, review in January. I had everybody write down their goals for the year and how they were going to get to those goals. And and it's we're a quarter. Can you believe it? We're a quarter into the year, so it's a great time to go ahead and review your goals. So there's four things, actually five things, I want you to write down on a piece of paper today when you are reviewing your goals. Um, a goal needs to have five things. One, you need to be specific. Two, it needs to be measurable. Three, it needs to have a time limit. Four, it needs to be yours, something that's passionate to you, something that's important to you. And number five, put it in writing. So the reason why we want it in writing is so like now we can look back and I wrote down eight goals for myself for this year and I'm on track with uh, five of them. And then three of them, I'm a little bit behind, and that's only because I need to get hip surgery. What I was hoping I was going to be able to accomplish with my riding, Briscoe and Rocky, and getting in shape isn't going to happen until I get the surgery. But on another good note, I've got almost all the money I need to pay the deductible to do the surgery. So soon, soon enough, hopefully that'll be done and on to bigger and better things. So, um, but again, I set myself eight different goals for this year and I want you to look through yours and see if they were specific, if they were measurable, if they had a time limit on them. Some of you, it might've been to go to your first super show or to enter your first pro rodeo or go to your first jackpot or, you know, get your horse out hauling and exhibitioning, whatever your goal might've been. Um, Whatever it is, keep it yours. Make it personal and important to you. That's all that matters. And then by having it in writing, you you see it, you check in on it, and you um, will help you reach it. So this week's challenge 
first skill in the group is funnel barrels. Uh, funnel barrels is a really great um, exercise. I put some videos in the group. Uh, Beverly and Biscuit helped us out with it. If you're looking at a horse that maybe really needs to work on fancy footwork, but you want to change up, um, you know, for the patterns like a free runner or rady, by setting up, up three sets of figure eights. So if you have six barrels, that would be great. But in my case, I had four barrels and two poles, but it still works. And also, if your arena, if your arena is a, um, if your arena is one of those situations where you have a big space, maybe like my old arena was 200 by 100, you could set it up like 100 feet, 80 feet, and 60 feet. But my new arena is only 125 by 80. So we had to set it up like 35, 50, and 60. But it still works because your horse still has to pay attention to you. The figure eight changes. It gets bigger. It gets smaller. And you're still working on the same cues. Rate cue for collection, shape cue for spot one and two, and a snap cue for spot three at your pivot spots um, between spot two and three and and you're working on lefts and rights equally so you do it at a walk you do it at a trot you can do it at a lope um, on the lope you can do simple transitions in the middle or flying leads depending on what you're trying to accomplish so that would be great for the horse that needs to collect and get correct in shape in the turn and maybe finishing your turns good funnel barrels is great you can also do funnel barrels, not as figure eights, but as all lefts and all rights. And again, it changes size, gets the horse that's maybe your stiff rollback horse to go one and a half perfect circles around each barrel. And you would go from the smallest one to the largest one, and then back down from the largest to the smallest, all lefts, and then you could do it all rights. And um, you will see it changes. You know, it might be easier on the bigger ones than the smaller ones because the smaller ones, you got to get your timing quicker and things happen faster versus the larger. So that's why I'd like you to do that challenge. And again, if you don't have an arena and you just have a grass pasture, just do it at a walk or a jog. You can still get the same thing accomplished. Um, if you do have a safe area or a safe arena, you could try it at the lope. So those are the, the challenges for this week for skill and mindset. Um, I will be posting as I do every week um, in the group. Usually Monday, I ask for you to let me know about your personal best or any wins you had from the weekend, and we had some really great ones. Um, I would also like you to let me know if you have a win for the drawing. We have a drawing on Friday, April 1st. Uh, membership dues will be due on the 1st as well for the for members that pay by the month, uh, April 1st. But if you haven't given me your PB, you'll get in for the drawing. The drawing, you can win one month free in the group. You could also uh, win a TLC Saddlecross, Keychain, TLC Books, things like that. So if you go ahead, I think I have essential oils as well in there. But um, it's like a $15 value, so it's fun. But the small wins lead to the big wins. And it's also fun to celebrate everybody's um, goals that they're meeting. So uh, with that said, that's Mondays. And then Tuesdays, I usually put some sort of groundwork tip in there. Wednesday's usually dry work or drills. Thursday's usually a barrel or pole tip or possibly, you know, warm up thing, something that has to do with the pattern um, in competition or training. And then Friday's usually something, you know, mental motivation wise. Um, 
So I try to stay pretty active because I realize with over 100 members, we have beginners, we have professionals, you know, we have just starting to 1D. So I want to have a variety in there for everybody. So some things you're going to see and be like, oh, I don't need that because, you know, I've already accomplished that. Just scroll on by it. And then others are going to be like, oh, I need to work on that or, well, I'm not ready for that yet. So just kind of work with what's out there for you. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about shout outs. I did... Um, Gosh, 32 members um, sent me sent me videos, and some of them had multiple horses or multiple three-day shows. So I must have did about 50 videos in the last three days. Um, and I want to say I'm really proud of a lot of you. There were some awesome personal bests. Um, you know, there was, there was things that, you know, didn't go as to plan, but that's okay. You learn when things don't go as planned, and you, and you build off of it. So, um, again, uh, I'm really proud, though, of Allie with Bruce and Nancy with Earl and Toot and uh, Jalen with Jaxi. And uh, there's just uh, so many of you that went out there and did really great. Jordan and, and Hermer Jaya, um, uh, Lindsay and Peapot. Um, and that one made me especially happy because she was feeling kind of depleted with her self-confidence. And then they went out there and won money the next weekend. And uh, Vanessa with Hunter, you know, um, that same situation. She's feeling the her work paying off of her mental game and her slow work during the week. Um, so there is a lot of you that I'm really seeing making some really nice changes. And that just makes me really happy. So like I said, um, it's hard for me sometimes to remember every single detail of every single horse. When I look at the video or scroll back at some previous uh, reviews, I'll have light bulb moments with it. But sometimes if, if there's things that I tell you, maybe make a note of it, write it down, and we'll build off of it. And when you send me your videos, try to make sure someone videotapes you closer to first or second than really far away by the alleyway if possible. Um, that that's helpful but also um it helps me if you give me a, a little bit of feedback like um on this run i placed such and such or the fast time was or my horse felt this way or i was concerned about this and then that way i'll know to watch for that as well and it'll give me a trigger of what to remember um from previous runs or whatever if you say okay last time i was here i was a such and such and this time it's such and such it just gives me a little bit of feedback it makes me not have to research so much if you give me a, a little paragraph especially as a group grows just send me the video and then a few words on what you think I should know about this run and then we'll talk about how to set your next goal or put it in slow motion and hopefully I'll see something that's helpful zoomed in and in slow motion for you so you can tell me what you felt and then I can see if you know that's confirmed when I look at it zoomed in in slow motion. So I'm going to go into the questions now before the topic. One question was about a horse that has really bad ground manners, but he rides really well. So um, with that said, when she talks about ground manners, um, I, I deal with that with Rocky. All of my mares have always been really respectful and polite, but they had a different start in life than Rocky. Rocky was born dismature and he spent two months of his life in my lap being treated medically around the clock and, and, you know, picked and prodded and everything else. Also loved on and, you know, everything because he was so tiny and fragile. So he has a tight bond with me, but he also has habits of crowding, 
I didn't put him out with other horses to learn manners when he was little because I didn't want him to get hurt after he was weaned from his mother. And Maggie was a pretty laid back mom. She wasn't very assertive when he was rude to her. Like she, he'd jump on her and stuff and she'd just pin her ears. She'd never, you know, get after him or anything. So I don't believe Rocky's ever been shown that you have certain boundaries. So anyhow, um, so with that said, I've always had to make sure when I lunge Rocky, it's, uh, you know, left, right, forward, backwards. I yield the front end, the back end, I side pass, head down. I try to ignore um, little things like when he's mouthy or uh, crowdy as far as I don't want to hit him or be aggressive What I because I don't want to acknowledge the bad thing as much as I want to say, okay, in my mind, I'm like, that's bad. I don't like it. You know, mind you, if he did something aggressive, he's going to get me aggressive back. But if he's just being playful and goofy and all boy that he is, I'm going to just give him a job. And those are the things I'm going to have him do. And he's going to do that on a lunge line versus free lunging because I can do that anywhere. I can do it at a horse show. I can do it, you know, in the arena. I can do it wherever. Um, so again, the left, right, forward, back, yield front end, yield back in, side pass, head down cues, face flexing, all those things will get him focused on a cue and increase his manners on the ground. Um, absolutely, there should be a boundary of the extension of my arm. He's never allowed in it. I can come to him, but he can't come inside of my, you know, three foot space. And, um, so if you have a horse that bites you, um, here nips at you, you can ignore it. Or what you could do is when you're around them and just give them a ton of attention around their, you know, face, but not their mouth and rub on them and love on them and see if that helps that they just want the stimulation. They just want the interaction. Um, but you can also give them cues and um, keep them busy so that they can't get in trouble. Because if you start that hitting game, I call it the gelding pecking game. If you ever watch a couple geldings, mirrors don't do it as much as geldings, but they'll do the tit for tat in the pasture. I bite you, you bite me harder, I'll bite you harder, you bite me harder. Now we'll both rear and strike at each other. Then we'll spin and kick at each other. And it just goes on and on. And you don't want to get in that game with your horse. One, because you should be the alpha. And two, because you are 100 pounds to their 1,000 pounds. So it's not a good idea. Um, as far as uh, kicking each other in exhibition lines, if you have a horse that's not good around other horses, it could be because they have lack of confidence. It could be because they're insecure um, about their self and their space and other horses. So put a red ribbon on that horse, but also teach them one rein stops and disengaging the hindquarters. And with the red ribbon, you can advise people around you, this horse might kick and they'll stand further back from you. You can also, when you're on that horse, it's hard if they're being ponied because you don't have control when you pony a horse. But when you're on them, you can keep a constant attention to them and keep a leg on them, keep their face flexing, immediately do one rein stops and disengage, but be on it all the time. And eventually they will get better as long as you are firm about that and give them cues. So they have a choice, stand politely or work. And they can work little circles while they're standing in that exhibition line of disengaging the hindquarters, etc. Um, if you have a horse that crowds or spins and kicks out at you and you release them, you need to always be aware of your space, always be aware that you are to come into their space, you are to leave their space. They never get to come into your space or leave your space. And um, they definitely don't get to spin and kick when you release them in the pasture. They need to let you hold the lead rope around their neck as you take off the halter, say, whoa, and you step away 
saying whoa, and they don't bolt. You know, you don't let them bolt. Um, and you also don't let them crowd you. So, so there's a lot of stuff you just have to stay on top of. But again, I try not to get into a, I'm going to beat you aggressive, you know, mode. I'm going to try to get into a, I'm going to give you boundaries and cues, pressure and release. I'm going to reward a good thing. I'm going to make you work when you're being difficult. And I don't mean, you know, lunge, death by lunging. I mean, make them think, you know, give them walk two times here, three times go this direction, trot this way, do that, do this, you know, be specific and make it, it could be a 10 minute thing as long as it's a brain thing where they're having to really think and be respectful and, um, you're building trust that way and communication of cues. So the next question was about, um, you know, how to get into the 1D. I've been in the 2D a lot. So uh, if you still feel like you have some little errors in your runs, um, are your lines super straight? Are you getting your right rate at the right time? Are you hitting all your spots in your turns? Spot one, the entrance, spot two, the backside, pivoting at the correct spot between spot two and three or at spot three, depending on which barrel it is. Um, do you know what to feel for being correct is in slow work? Are they able to do work off a loose rein, you know, circles and straight work on a loose rein? Do they rate off your body, off your seat? Um, will they, uh, you know, bend laterally from spot one to two? Do they snap off your inside hip and pivot spot off your body? Um, do they work off shoulders and your hips um, for rate and, and your legs for bend and your hips for uh, snapping out of your turns? Really analyze where your strengths and weaknesses are. And that's how you shave that last half second. And sometimes it can strictly be a little bit more fire from the alleyway, a little bit more fire home, a little bit more fire out of the turns. Just little things like that can make a difference. You've all seen the side-by-sides I do. And sometimes three-tenths is almost not measurable. It's literally like a head or a neck difference. And, um, and at, at sometimes the slower runs ahead and then all of a sudden the faster run gets ahead and it can just be by having a snappier turn or a little bit more fire out of a turn. So just never quit riding is what I want to say. Even if let's say you have a bobble in one turn or, or somewhere in the pattern, just keep going for it because you just never know. You know, what you clock might be just perfect for the 2D instead of the 1D. Or, you know, maybe everyone else hits a barrel that day and you end up winning a 1D check because of it. You just never know, so you just never quit riding. Or even if you know it's not a great run and you win ugly, 4D money spends just as good as the 1D money. So just keep riding. And again, if you are maxed out and your pattern's perfect and that's 3D money every time, that's great. You know, not every horse can be a 1D horse because the athletic ability and the motors on some horses is just insane. Um, and some horses are phenomenal and they and they get maxed out at the 2D or the 3D or maybe the 4D. And that's okay too, as long as you're enjoying it and they're happy and you're doing your best. The key is, is that being your personal best and, and doing the best you can with what you have. So, um, the next question was about, uh, if I'm doing a loose rein, whoa, how can I get my horse to back every single time? So here's what I do. Um, if I want my horse to really put 11s in the ground, every time I say, whoa, at a walk, trot, canter, when I sit and exhale and take my legs off, and sit really deep on my pockets. And I mean, let my shoulders and my ribs just get into my hips and just sit deep. Exhale and say, whoa, 
I put that rain hand down on that mane. And if they stop, I, I give them a moment. And then if I really want them to put a little more effort into it, after I get the woe, I then pick up my hand a little, cluck, and add a little leg and back two steps. And then I pet them. So if you do, if you back two steps every time, but again, you can't do the rain with the woe cue because you're using your emergency brakes before you use your regular brakes. So for me, regular brakes is my seat and my voice and emergency brake would then be my rain. So if I, if I get the stop on the loose rain and then I pick up the rain after I get the stop and do two steps every single time, walk, truck, canter, they're going to immediately start doing it automatically. Just like the video I posted of Rocky, uh, Liberty lunging, no halter or lead rope in the arena. He has a hundred foot by 80 foot, he could completely run off. But because I lunge him and lunge on so much with the whip and we have a certain communication of my body language, he stayed with me. It's a repetition. It becomes consistent. And horses learn from repetition and consistency. And that's how they'll learn to stop and back two steps every time as well. But you have to be consistent as well. Two plus two has to be four every single time. And that's important as well. So, um, the next question is kind of an odd question, but I'm going to answer it as best I can. Um, starting your own business or, um, you know, in the horse business and or even just like with my coaching business, um, they just want to know in general what's some good advice for starting a business, even if it's not horse related. Um, well, that's a good one. Um, I've been doing this 30 years and I can tell you at the very beginning is the number one thing to do is learn. Learn as much as you can from everyone you can and just learn, learn, learn. And then um, and then try to think, and then just get one customer and just do the best you can with one customer. Because let's face it, maybe you're not as good as uh, Joe Trainer down the road, but you are as good, you're better than the person coming to you for help. Maybe you run 3D and you're very consistent. And here's this person who doesn't know how to put basics on their horse. They don't even know how to pattern a horse. But you've put basics on your horse. You've patterned your horse and you're one second out every single run. <clears throat> Winning money consistently. So you're, you're, you could train someone up to that point, basically, is what I'm saying. So just keep taking in people at that point that you can educate. And, of course, you keep learning and you keep, you know, going to school and learning and, and clinics and lessons and you know, just books and videos, everything you can, and then experience. I can't tell you how experience is the most important thing for me. You know, if you've only ridden 10 horses, you only have the experience of 10 horses. If you've ridden 1,700 horses or worked with 1,700 riders and horses, that's a whole lot more. And I mean, worked with them, not just, you know, one time, that's it. But I mean, training, lessons, clinics, coaching, blah, blah, blah. You're going to have a whole lot more experience than the person who's only had a few under their belt. Now, I'm not saying that young people can't be talented, that you have to be old and gray to know anything. I think that there's an advantageous of both. You know, sometimes it's nice to have a fresh uh, look at things and sometimes it's nice to have experience. But I know when I'm picking someone, you know, for my horses or my do my dogs or my, my, my kid, my son, you know, I was looking at experience and knowledge and, you know, references and records and, and, you know, if it felt right to me. So, so those are the two things. Um, learn as much as you can start with one customer at a time. Now, I would also recommend seven other things and you can write this down, have a plan. Know what you want your plan to be, where you want to go with it, 
you know, short-term, long-term. We talked about goals. You need a one-year goal, maybe a monthly goal, weekly goal, just how you're going to get it going. Um, the second thing is, you know, your program. What do you want your program to stand for? What's your motto, your slogan? What's your brand going to be? Um, you know, what do you, you have to have a place. A, what, if you're going to instruct people like me, I have a, a, a foundation plan that you start with first, a 12-week program of just basics, you know, ground on into the saddle dry work drills. And then, you know, then you have your first year of competition. So have a program that you develop that covers everything you want it to cover. Um, you know, and, and that might be, uh, in this particular case, you know, she was talking about, um, uh, let's see, like positive life coaching. So, and you know, that you have to cover everything from how to handle your finances to how to handle your career choices, how to handle your personal life, how to handle your self, uh, development, all of those things. So what I'm saying is have a full circle of development. Um, the fifth thing, or excuse me, fourth thing is getting a website and you can make cheap websites on godaddy.com, some diff, you know, that costs maybe 20 or 50 bucks a year, get a business card that's important or make a flyer and talks about your services. Um, Vistaprint and those places can make them pretty cheap, but you can Google websites and Google, uh, business cards or flyers and find the best prices for you or what matches for you. You can even call them and they can make you a custom website if you want to go really uptown. Now, the one that I would love to have for my group, it's a hundred bucks a month and it cost me $2,000 to get it up and running. So I'm not quite there yet. So right now I just have, um, my, my other one with the coach's eye is like, um, it's like 350 a year for the program with the new one I have to buy because coach is re retiring. Um, and then coach's eye is, and coaches coach now is like twice the money, but, um, and then my website's less money too. So, but there's a lot, you have to figure out your budget, you know, all those things and what you want to do. Um, and then start keeping references. You may have to do your first clients um, pro bono or for a really cheap price and just get them to write you a reference and say, Hey, I'll do this at this price. If you give me a good reference afterwards, you know, obviously if I do a great job for you and then, um, six, you have to have a really positive attitude. Um, you know, you have to really have a positive attitude. You have to be disciplined. Um, you can't be lazy and have your own business. You have to be organized. You have to have a positive attitude. You have to handle slumps. You have to understand that, you know, there's going to be competition. There's going to be slow times. There's going to be a lot going on and you just have to, um, think of it long-term. Don't get your feelings hurt. That's stuff I didn't do as good when I was younger. And now I've learned from it that, you know, it's for me, it's my business. I take it personal, but I can't because for them, they're just doing what's best for them and they go where they want to go. And that's just how it is. And, um, and number seven is, um, you have to love it because if you don't love it, you're not going to do it. So be authentic um, to yourself, be true to yourself and the right people that resonate with that and you will come to you. So I hope that helps you. Um, but yeah, you know, I also, you can treat this for barrel racing too, like to succeed at your goals and competition. It's the same thing. You would set up a schedule, you set a goal, you set your budget and you can apply this to competition as well, you know, because it can get real fast, real expensive because when you're competing, it doesn't just become about uh, fuel and entry fees. It now becomes about the right saddle, the right bit, the right hay, the right supplements, the right grain, the right chiropractor, the right vet care, the right uh, paperwork, the right uh, you know, all those things start adding up. So that's why you have to, um, 
set a schedule, set a budget, set a goal, and you have to have a list um, and a time frame. Maybe schedule even how you're going to get yourself fit and your horse fit. You know, um, you have to think about all the extra care needed, um, what it's going to take to haul up and down the road for your rig and keeping your rig up, association fees, all of that. So, you know, it is important to be organized and disciplined and have a plan, whether you're a barrel racer or a business owner. Okay, so the next question was about a horse dropping into the turns. So, um, so two things can happen when you have that. Um, I often look at two things. Um, does a horse need a tune-up? As in, you know, obviously you get your vet check, you know, make sure they're not in pain. Sometimes if a hip's out or something, they'll drop in on their shoulder more if they're sore somewhere. So make sure you don't have a sore horse. Um, and then do a tune-up. Generally, if a good horse starts going bad, there is something going on and you might be missing it, whether it be your vet missing it, your chiropractor can miss it. I've had chiropractors miss things. I've had vets miss things, you know, and they're all just doing their best, but they still make mistakes and miss things. I miss things. We all miss things. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. That's why it's good to have extra eyes that you trust involved um, and just different ways of looking at things. But a straighter, longer tune-up would be good for that horse. Maybe in and outs, really picking up that shoulder, fence-to-fence -fence drill, um, all of that. You also have to look at the rider. I've learned a lot of times when a horse is dropping, it's because a the rider looks in or drops their hand or picks their hand up. Um you know, they back off too soon. They don't ride square up into the hole to their legs at the barrel. Um, they lean too far forward and stop using their seat and legs. Instead of sitting up and driving their horse from their legs, they lean far up and get limp with their legs and look and lean into the inside. Um, sometimes it's because their hands are not even or they pull on the outside rein and cause the nose to go out and the shoulder to drop. Um, they're not using enough legs and body sitting up and driving, like I mentioned. Um, uh, the biggest thing is, as I see, leaning over the withers, looking down the neck, pulling the outside rein, or looking in. So those are a lot of those things. And a horse can start to have anticipation problems too, but that's why it's important that you do circles and true turns, all lefts, all rights, fence to fence, in and outs. Um, you just have to know what's going to be the best tune-up for your horse and do that. So, all right. So I'm going to go ahead. I think that's all my questions. I'm going to go ahead and get into the topic. We are 30 minutes in, so hopefully I can get that done. Um, okay, so the first step to success is really believing in yourself. Even if you have a bad run, that doesn't mean you're no good. That doesn't mean you're a failure. It's just a bad run. Next week, you're going to have a great run. Tomorrow, you might have a great run. So just treat it as such. And um, remember, mental toughness is that's the first step. You've got to believe in yourself. I, I had to believe in myself when I started my business because, look, I came from, a you know, my family was pretty poor. My, my parents were young. They were in their 20s with three kids. They divorced when I was eight. My dad worked two jobs. My mom worked, you know, raising a single mom, three kids with some child support and, um, you know, had too many horses and dogs, mouths to feed. So we didn't have a lot. We had an old truck, old trailer, you know, horses that came from the auction, the sale, and they were green broke and issues. And we always had to, you know, train them and fix them. So I didn't come from money. I didn't come from a ranch or, you know, a big cowboy family. I was self-taught. I just had a passion for it since I was eight years old and loved it and then wanted it as an adult after going into college and corporate world. I didn't like it. I wanted the horse world. 
And that's why I did it, you know? So that's just one of the things where I just had to believe in myself that I could, but I was also fortunate enough to have a husband that was supportive and all of that, that I could do that, you know? Um, So if you are going to do that and you don't have a support system, then you'll probably have to work full time and do that on the side until it can take off and take over for you. Um, But as far as rodeo, rodeo teaches us a lot about ourselves. It teaches you life skills. It teaches you that hard work pays off, that you have to be resilient and handle disappointments. It teaches you how to handle fear and anxiety and self-doubt. It teaches you how important it is to calm your nerves and be focused on your job and that the more relaxed and focused you are, the better you and your horse will do together. It teaches you to be prepared and how to be your best and certainly how to handle adversity because like life, rodeo and barrel racing, it's always changing. So um, what I want you to do is write these things down. But number one, you really should practice with intention and have a plan. So, you know, if you know you have a rodeo this weekend, you need to find three days at least, maybe four, that you can spend at least 30 minutes with your horse and have a game plan. Maybe one day is just a relaxing pasture ride, doing some conditioning and bonding. And then maybe one day you do a little tune-up with some dry work and some drills. Maybe you need to do some desensitizing or sacking out um, if it's going to be an atmosphere that makes your horse worried. Maybe you need to do some slow barrels and make sure you're on the same program. Maybe you need to haul to a practice pin and just get a little timing lope through in if it's been a while um, and just get a plan together. So so practice with intention. Know why you're practicing. Do I need to work on rate? Do I need to work on fluidity? Do I need to work on looking at my spots? Um, those kind of things. Number two, um, try not to be fearful about entering because look, here's this thing. You can't win if you don't enter. You know, um, so you have to enter in order to see where you're at. So you you train and you go enter and you see where you're at and then you learn from that and you learn some more and you train some more and and that's how you get there. And I'll be honest with you, nobody cares what you're doing. They're so absorbed with what they're do- doing. So if you have a mistake or you do great, people won't even remember in a week because they're just in their own little world and what they're worried about. Sometimes people think barrel racers are rude and snobby, but honestly, I think they're just self 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 focused on what they've got to get done. I know when I rode three horses and I had clients around, I was just trying to stay focused on what I had to get done. So I'll try to say hi and smile and everything, but not everybody can just stop and socialize because they're there to compete. And sometimes you have multiple horses, etc. So um So just remember that. Don't be fearful, Tanner. Number three, um, focus on what you can control and not what you can't. That is the very, I think, first or second podcast I ever did. That's one of the most important things you will ever learn about barrel racing. Don't worry about outcomes. Don't worry about who's there. Don't worry about, you know, anything except what you can control. And that's doing your job so your horse can do their job. You know, warming them up correctly, having a plan for that alleyway, that arena, that setup, riding to your spots, being in the moment to give your horse the right cues when they need them, you know, for go, rate, turn, etc. Number four. Uh, remember that mistakes are just a part of it. It's just a part of the, um, learning process. You need to enjoy it and realize that, you know, life's always changing. Rodeos are always changing. Um, barrel racing is always changing. You know, it's no different than 
you know, just being a part of the adversity, you go to a barrel race and a storm comes in, you know, whichever, you know, it's just, that's how it is. So that's just part of it. And, um, the fifth one is adversity. Um, really learn how to, uh, work through it. We, people say, and this is about that be, believing in yourself and being positive. Um, I catch myself saying it sometimes saying, I don't like change. Well, I've had nothing but change in my life for the last five or six years. So finally, I just started saying, I can do this. I can handle change. Change is fine. Life is always changing, you know, but you don't say you can't handle change because that's not good. Life is always changing. So, so embrace change and embrace adversity. And, and again, it's all about trying to be positive with it. You know, you can pray about it. Um, you can encourage others, um, you know, you can be a good problem solver, you know, but learn to work through it. That's very important. Um, number six, uh, you know, learn to practice at being focused. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but let's say sometimes, you know, when you're even at your job or with your family or with your friends, you can't seem to focus on one task. You're like all over the place doing 10 different things. And that's going to be a problem in barrel racing. You need to be very able to get centered and get focused. So whether you're distracted by the, the surroundings or people talking to you, you need to learn to clear your mind, take some deep breaths, get centered, meditate, whatever you got to do. And then exhale, go out there and be focused on your job. So practice focusing. It is a skill just like anything else that you have to learn. Um, so then number seven is um, when you do have a mistake or you fail, pay attention to where you are placing your blame. A lot of times I hate when I see people blame their horse. They immediately blame their horse and they snatch on their horse and get angry with their horse because they're competitive and they come out of the arena and they're just mad because it didn't go well. But don't do that. Pet your horse because nine times out of ten, you may have cued them wrong, you know, or you didn't prepare properly for the conditions or the setup or for the week. Um, so so be careful that you're not being overly hard on yourself every time either, though, because I've seen people who are like, my horse is great, but I suck at this. I can't do this. I keep making mistakes. It's me. It's me. It's me. And then you tear down your confidence, too. So rather than doing that, again, about the positive thinking, say, okay. You know, my first barrel was awesome, but I messed up at second. And then I'll learn from that and fix it next week. And just let it go. Don't be, you know, the, the you know, just keep picking on you or picking on your horse kind of thing. Be like, okay, find what you did well. Find what you need to work on. Let it go and then make a plan and move on from it. Um, the next thing, eight, is about working hard. You know, I I, um, I say this a lot to you guys about trusting God and, and praying and having a plan. And you, and you do have to work hard because it doesn't matter if I just work hard and have no faith, I may not get there. But if I just have faith and pray and don't work hard, I'm not going to get there. You kind of have to have it all, you know, and then maybe the plan will come together. Maybe the plan will be slightly different, but you do have to have both. You have to work hard and have faith. And uh, let's see, number nine uh, be aware of the people that you hang around with. Um, they should be people that are positive people that inspire you. Um, you know, some people like me, I'm pretty much a lone wolf. I've always kind of 
uh, kept to myself, just ride my horses and hang out with my dogs and on my farm. And even when I go barrel racing, I'm there, I compete and I head out. I'm not a big like hang out and group kind of people. I, I'll now I like party here or there. When I was younger, I was way more social and all of that. But as I've aged, I think I lived enough in my uh, younger high school and college years for a lifetime. So as I've aged, I'm really content with just being, you know, I'm pretty comfortable just being on my own. And I think my life kind of taught me that too, being a mother of one child and a husband that traveled, I became extremely independent. So um, my family was out of state. So I think life probably made me more of a lone person. But then there's a lot of people who love to be in group settings, group people all the time around them. So whatever your thing is, just make sure that you're in, around people that do inspire you and encourage you and believe in you and that you're always working towards self-development. Um, that's really important too. Number 10, um, you know, um, it takes time. It takes time. And I know a lot of people want success now, especially if you um, are young or new to it, you want to win now. And it really takes time. I mean, it can take a couple years for a trainer that knows what they're doing to make a solid horse at two to three years. But if you're learning and your horse is learning, you could be looking at four or five years. And I've seen that. I've got members and clients that have been with me that long, and I've watched where they've come from to where they are. Um, so remember foundation, writer's basics. Those are the places you want solid before competition. That's key. Um, it just takes time. Number 11 is just really be grateful. And I don't mean just wake up and, you know, and that's important when you wake up to have a grateful heart, count your blessings. Um, of course we all have issues. Of course we all have things we're dealing with, but when it gets like that, try to make a list of your pros and your cons and be like, wow, look how much more my blessings outweigh my, my issues, my problems. And, um, and just be grateful and thankful. Because that gives you more of a positive outlook as well. And number 12, um, I do think um, it's nice to have mentors and people that you learn from or people that motivate you. And there's so much out there now with clinics and books and videos and podcasts. Um, so I would try to pick someone that you like their attitude, you like their way they do things and, and, um, and doesn't confuse you. I do think by doing... Too much, you can confuse a horse, meaning like take a little of this, take a little of that, always changing bits or technique or style. Because again, they are about confidence comes from consistency and repetition. So when you're learning, you do have to try a trial and error kind of thing, but, but try to be consistent. Don't be changing things every single week and frustrating you and your horse. Try to stick with one plan for a while and, and go from there. You know, it's just like when I tell people, try a bit for, you know, three to five rides or competitions. And if it's not working, then move on to another one, you know, if that's the case. Um, but often it's not a bit, but a bit more knowledge. Sometimes you do need a little bit more leverage with more adrenaline and speed. Sometimes you need less if you have a horse that anticipates more, etc. So um, number 13, be aware of your weaknesses and strengths because we all have them. Our horses have them. We have them. And um, remember that that um, is a challenge that you have to address as well because 
confidence and consistency will come from knowing your strengths, but also developing your weaknesses. So I talk about horses that are like stiff rollbacky horses. If you don't do perfect, uh, flexible, fluid circles during the week, they're going to get really steady on the weekends. Um, you know, it's the same with the horse that maybe dumps on the front end. You've got to really work on picking those shoulders up during the week and, you know, elevating the front end, maybe with more more rollbacks and more stopping and backing and collection and spiral circles, things like that. Um, so just, you know, know your strengths, know your weaknesses as a person and for your horse. You know, some people are overly hyper and they need to be a little more calm. Some people are too laid back and they need to get a little bit more up, you know, and, and, um, you know, some people are more nervous and some are more worried and, and all that. So find, find your strengths and develop your weaknesses. Number 14, be brave. Um, be brave because if you're not brave, you're never going to enter. Um, if you are worried about what, could happen when you're competing worry about what could happen if you don't you know would I be happy if I wasn't doing this um number 15 slumps slumps are going to happen you know um so we can't always control everything sometimes the horse gets sore sometimes we get bad ground you know etc um but just get focused get back to your task and trusting your training and those slumps will go away you just have to work through them so I've been talking for almost 45 minutes and I have quite a bit more I wanted to discuss with this so I think I'll go ahead and save it as a part two for next week um, there's just always so much um, to cover so but I'll go ahead and leave you um, with some thoughts um, you know you, you really have to uh, just always be working towards your goals, but also enjoying things, being thankful for things. Um, sometimes, you know, there's people in this group that are perfectionist and um, they're always finding something that went wrong, you know, and they're never good enough. But remember, that's going to tear your confidence down too and make you want to give up. So give yourself some grace um, find your win in every single run, you know, and then analyze what did go wrong and how you can fix it. But don't try to be perfect because I'll be honest with you, you can practice perfect, slow and all of that, but it's very rare with full speed to be perfect, but you can still win even with little bobbles because like I said, it's very rare for anyone to be perfect at full speed, meaning hitting every spot with the perfect timing and perfect position. But that's why you don't give up. You go for it and things will come together. So thank you for listening to this. And I'm going to do it as two parts just because I had a lot of questions this week to answer. And um, remember, as I close, um, TLC is a program. Take advantage of the email that I sent you when you joined and look at the training notebook. There's every chapter from the beginning to the end with a barrel horse. Um, look at the foundation 12-week program. Look at the one year of competition. Find your holes. Find your weaknesses. Work on that. Um, and then, again, be positive and appreciative and, and just enjoy your wins that you have. And always find the good. So I just want to leave you with that. And thank you guys for tuning in. Um, take part in the challenges, um, the podcasts, the Q&As 
all of that will just give you more self-development for you and, and kind of give you, just fire you up and give you some excitement for what you're doing with your horse is my hope for you. So thank you for tuning in. As always, ride with heart and God bless.